0: You know how they say some things are timeless? The interview you're about to hear is exactly that, timeless. And I think it deserves another listen. And if you've never heard this interview before, you're in for a real treat. Please enjoy this Interview Rewind. man, you can do this on the side. I did it. You did it.
1: 100%. The, the excuse of I don't have the time, it, that's all it is. And it, it's yep. an excuse. I mean, I had my daughter, my first child was born, I think two months before we purchased, we closed on our first property. Yeah. So I had a wife, I had a kid, I had a day job, and then I was doing this as well. So yep. Yep. I was crazy busy, but it can be done. Yeah, it can
0: totally. Be done. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. Happy to have you here. If it's your first time, welcome. Glad to have you. If you've been here for a while, if you've checked us out before, thank you for coming back. I appreciate that. It means we're doing something right, which is good. We're on the right track. All right, guys, today I have a great show for you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time winding up to it because it's a good one. It's a little bit longer, not a lot, just a little bit longer, but there was some really good stuff talked about, and I want you guys to be totally into that, and I want to make sure I stay within your commute or whatever, your workout plan that you're doing. Um, So I want to introduce my guest. His name is Justin Silverio. He is the owner of JS2 Homes and Open Letter Marketing. He has been investing in real estate since 2011 with extensive experience in rehabbing, new construction, wholesaling, and multi-family rental properties in and around the Boston area. Justin founded Open Letter Marketing in 2016 with a focus on providing real estate investors with a more effective direct-to-seller marketing approach than the outdated methods. The company works with hundreds of investors throughout the country and is recognized as one of the top real estate investor marketing companies. Justin is a smart real estate investor, B really good at these tech products, these products that real estate investors need and use. And he's also a really good dude. And he had a little surprise for me when we jumped onto the call before we started recording. He shared with me what he's his latest project that he's been spending all of his time on over the last, well, since the whole year, 2020. And we dive into that quite a bit too, because I, it's exciting. And I think you guys are going to really benefit from it. So without any further ado, guys, I give you Justin Silverio. Hey, Justin, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate you being on, man. I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. This is going to be great.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. We've known each other for a while. I know you have a lot of cool stuff going on uh, in addition to real estate. So we're going to dig into kind of a lot of that. But why don't we give everyone listening a little bit better sense of who you are? They have a high level view of, of what you've done. Uh, but let's maybe even wind the clock back a little bit. Let's talk about before you got into real estate. What were you doing? What was your life like before that? And then why in the world would someone get into it? No, I'm just kidding. Why did you get into real estate? What What happened to kind of push you into that? world or pull you into that world.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, so it goes way, way back when I was, uh, when I was a kid, my father was a general contractor for, I mean, since I was born and I always enjoyed walking through his projects and taking a look. And I always felt that there was something about it that was artistic. He's creating homes and, um, just amazing things out of raw materials. Yeah. And I always loved that, but I never wanted to be a contractor. So I always had that kind of in the back of my head. Loved walking through properties and stuff like that. Fast forward to about 2008, 2009, uh, when the flipping shows came on. Um, that really piqued my interest because at that point I was an accountant, okay, and I was working at a private equity shop, and I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah. And once I saw those those shows, it really sparked my interest and said, well, I have the numbers and understanding of you know how to evaluate deals and knowing the, um, you know, the the number side, but this is maybe a way to get me into the con- construction side without being a contractor and working for, you know, retail retail owners. Yep. 2010, my father and I teamed up and we started looking at uh, purchasing our first property. And um, we got the first one under contract and we basically just teamed up. I would find the deals, look at the numbers, figuring out where to buy them, where to sell them. And he would help me and teach me about the construction side. And it was basically marrying two of my passions together. um, While still doing my full-time job, I was doing this part-time and I absolutely loved it. And the first time I did it, I said, man, this is, this is what my future is going to look like. And um, that's, that's how I started.
0: How old were you at that point?
1: Um, So this was what, 2010? So I was 30. (laughs)
0: Okay. So around 30 is when you sort of got into this and yeah. got the bug. It's, it's around the same time frame that I sort of decided that this is what I wanted to do. I just didn't take action quick enough. I, it took me a few years. It's funny. You talk about those flipping shows. <clears throat> I remember in 2008, nine, uh, I got married in 2007. And I remember watching these shows with my wife. And they started off getting us kind of excited about it and interested, but it sort of, it sort of. you know how those shows go, right? It's like yeah. every show is like major stress. And so my, my wife would watch these things and she'd be like, I like them. And they, they kind of make me excited to do real estate, but they scare me too. Like I'm getting freaked out by all the things that could go wrong. And I'm like, you know what? I guarantee a lot of that stuff's manufactured. But, you know, I always say as once I started flipping houses, I was like, if that, if I was wrong... Every time I bought a house on the renovation by double, like what it should have been, I would I would be the worst investor in the world. Like these these shows, they get on, it's like, our rehab yeah. budget is $30,000. And then at the end, it's like, we went to $60,000 in the rehab, and we still made $100,000. Like, that, right. that doesn't work in our market. I know that. In Michigan, if you're off by $30,000 on the renovation, you just paid to renovate that house. <laughs> you're not making money, but um, <laughs> that's funny you say that. So around 30, you and your dad working together, your dad showing you the biz. So what happened? You flipped, I assume it was a flip you did. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, first one was a flip okay. and, and it was, it was rather a big flip. Um, you know, people get into it and they do just like a, you know, fluff and buff, but, yeah. um, we, we had an addition, we had full gut, okay. we had structural stuff that we had to work with, but, yeah. but really at the end of the day, I felt comfortable because he did this day in and day out. Yeah. This is what he did for his construction side. If, if I didn't have him, probably take me a lot longer and it would have been, had it been an easier renovation to, to get into my first deal.
0: Yeah, for sure. A fluff and buff is awesome. I've never never heard that. I, in all these years, I've never heard fluff and buff. I've heard lipstick on a pig, and that's what I came to mind when you were talking about that. Um, that. Yeah, that's awesome. Having your dad, that's a huge comfort. When you're flipping houses, I mean, you have a couple of fears. Number one, I don't know what I should buy and sell it. Like, I don't know what it'll sell for ARV, right? I don't know what to buy it for. But then the big unknown usually is the construction. Like, what's the renovation going to yes. cost? And they're just trusting all these, like, random contractors that they're getting off of Craigslist. You had that comfort level, which is great, mm-hmm. right? So you guys were able to take on something a little bit more challenging, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend when you it's your first one, unless your dad is a kind of, you know, construction guy knows what he's doing. So that's a, that's a good thing. So you started off with a, with a flip. Now let's just kind of like highlight the next few years, like what happened in your business? Did you just continue to flip and work your full-time job or how did that work?
1: Yes. Yeah. For, for the first five years we were flipping while I was still having a full-time job. So that was me, you know, and I, and I would be doing marketing. Um, Throughout that whole period of time. So I'd be sending out mailers and I started off with direct mail. So I would send out the direct mail. I'd be on my way to work. I'd usually have like an hour, hour and a half commute to and from work. So I'd be on the phone with contractors in the morning. I'd be talking to sellers at lunch and I'd be jumping out of like um, work during the day to talk to sellers if they were like really good uh, sellers that called in talking to sellers on my way home, stopping by the properties on the, the nights and then weekends. Yeah. So it was, it was tough. That first five years, that, those were some difficult times, but um, they were exciting as well.
0: Yeah. I I lived that life almost exactly. I wasn't wasn't working in the same industry, but in the automotive industry, kind of mid-level management position. And I was, man, I mean, at the end, it's kind of, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. it's not great. I wasn't a great employee at the end, but I mean, I was running a full-on flipping business before I left my job, like from my desk at work. I, I was just doing the exact same thing. It was for sure heavy in the morning, heavy in the lunch and heavy at night. But there was a lot of there was a lot of calls being taken during the day. And I, I was fortunate enough and I'm not I'm not suggesting this to anybody, but the industry I worked, I was right next to a like a, a shop, like an automotive shop that was loud, kind of right. So I could go in there and have conversations and you know, nobody really knew at work. But um, yeah, so I did that for a while until it was like, man, I'm to hold myself back. Like I, I'm, I'm here all day long and I'm running a much more successful business on the side than I'm actually having right here. So yeah, five years. So that's good. It's good for people to know. I think a lot of people use that like, oh, I've got a full time job. I'm busy. I can't do it. Listen, I'm not advocating like being a bad employee, but you can do this on the side. You do have mornings and nights and weekends and and lunch. Like if your lunch time is so important to you that you can't conduct your side business during your lunch, then I don't know. Maybe you're not that serious about it. But I did the same thing, man. I my mm-hmm. lunch time was work for me, and, and like after yeah, work was absolutely. work. And you live in a in a, a state that uh, you get you guys live in. Uh, you have cold weather, right? So we would, uh, I would go like in the winter time, like it gets dark at five o'clock in Michigan and during the winter and I would leave work. It's pitch dark basically. And I'm like in houses in the basement with no electricity, frozen every, like it's just cold as a, as a, as a freezer. And I'm down there with like my, my cell phone light, like looking at electric, you know, the electric panel and stuff. So yeah, man, I know that life. I know that world. It's, it's something, but it, it can be done. Like people use that as an excuse. That's not an excuse. It's like, Totally you can do it. Like, don't think you have to quit your job right away. You don't. And I don't even know if that's necessarily a good idea for people, like, especially if you're making decent money and you, you know, you have a family like, Hey man, you can do this on the side. I did it. You did it.
1: 100%. The, the excuse of, I don't have the time. It, that's all it is. And it, it's yeah. an excuse. I mean, I had my daughter, my first child was born, I think two months before we purchased, we closed on our first property. Yeah. So I had a wife, I had a kid, I had a day job and then I was doing this as well. So yep. Yep. I was crazy busy, but it can be done. Yeah, it can totally. Be done.
0: Just, just out of curiosity, because I know there's a lot of listeners that are new and, and, and I know I'm trying to like get into their head a little bit. So you you were working at a full-time job. Your your dad helped you with the renovation. I get that. How did you fund your first deal? How did that one look?
1: Yeah, good question. Even before I went out and started purchasing properties, um, I went to three regional banks. And I went to them with my financials, with my father's financials. And I presented them with basically a booklet. I did my homework. I found out what they wanted, what they wanted to see, all the information. And we had a formal meeting. Hmm. And the meeting was to talk about, I had a business plan too. I had, I think a 50 page business plan of exactly the next five years, what it's going to look like. And I had those meetings with um, three regional banks and every single one of them after that, that meeting, they all said, we want to do business with you because we see, we see exactly what you're doing. You're well thought out. It's planned. You're organized. It's very formal. We want to work with people like you. So so right out of the gates, we were fortunate enough to get bank financing, and then for like down payment, we would fund the down payment for it. And ever since then, we've been kind of—I've always getting bank loans. And wow. and my father was with me for the first three years, and he's like, once you're good and you're you're all set, and you're flying. He's like, when you don't need me anymore, just let me know and buy me out of the company and keep going. And he's like, if you want to lend mo- if you want me to lend you money, that's fine. Um, he's like, I'm just doing it to set you up. So that's that's kind of how things went from there. Yeah. So
0: I was going to ask you a question that I thought I knew the answer to. Now I'm going to ask you, and I, I think I still know, but it's not the same answer. Would you suggest that someone put together a business plan when they're starting out? I would. It worked yeah. for me. Yeah. I, I, the I mean, answer is typically no when I ask people this, but but a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. are not organized and they're not thorough. Yeah. So it's it's a convenient and easy answer to go. You don't need it, and I, I don't think you do need it. But I but if but if you have that capacity and you're that organized and you have the wherewithal to to put it together or really. have it put together, then like you said, you went into a bank. Like what year was this again that you went to the banks for the first time? 2010. See now that's yeah. that's critical because as everyone knows. Banks were scared to death of us Mm -hmm. in 2010, to death of us. So you going in there and having them all say, we want to work with you is 10 times more impressive in 2010 than it would be in 2020 or in 2005, like 10 times more impressive. So it really speaks to the power of the approach that you took. And banks do love organization and professionalism, right? So um, Mm -hmm. that's huge. It's interesting, too, because I don't have a lot of people on who put together business plans. So I like that you have that perspective.
1: And, and really, did I ever, I mean, I don't know how many times I've really looked at my business plan since, maybe one or two times, right? Sure. But even if I just did it to get that bank loan, it was, it was well worth it.
0: Totally. I mean, honestly, unless you're a doctor or something, like a lot of times, like a business degree, like go to school and get a business degree. I have a business degree. I hear a lot of people say that, like, the degree is just the gateway to the world that you want to get into, right? Yeah. You don't necessarily yeah. lean on the degree every day of your job. You just you have to have that to, to get the job, right? So I, right. I think it's just, it's just a doorway into the world that you wanted to get into, and that's super smart to do that. So let's, let's move a little more now in time, let's go up to like present day. What does your real estate investing company look like? Is your dad still involved? Like how does that all work?
1: Um, so today, primarily I'm doing, I'm mostly wholesaling. So I actually started renovating properties, and um, just in the beginning, I started renovating entry-level homes, then moved up to mid-level then high end, then high end new construction. Oh, okay. and today what I'm doing is more multifamily condo conversions in the city of Boston. So I am doing some development deals in the city of Boston, but I'm only doing about one or two at a time. Okay, because they generally take a year, two years to actually go through zoning, right, and um, get everything finished up. But everything else, I'm wholesaling. Okay, so I've really built out my business to just, um, really focus on wholesales.
0: Okay. I I didn't even realize you were doing multifamily conversions like that. That's very cool. Awesome. So why did you switch to wholesaling? You had a flipping business going. Why? I mean, I know you're still kind of in a way sort of flipping the condos. How are you doing that? Or why did you do that? I should say.
1: Good good question. And it was a tough decision because as I mentioned, I love walking through properties. I love the construction process. I don't necessarily like dealing with contractors, Yeah. (laughs) but (laughs) when I, when I took a, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. When I took a step back and I looked at all right, where am I making um, more money on a dollar per hour perspective? And when I looked at everything, it was like a no brainer that I was making way more money with wholesales for the time that I put into it yeah. than on any re- renovation deals that I did. Yeah. So that's when I made the decision. And not only that, competition was increasing. Mm-hmm. So people were buying properties for much more than I was. So even if they bought it for twenty thousand more than I did, that's my that's already a twenty thousand dollars spread that I can make just by getting it under contract at my price.
0: Yep, absolutely. Right out the
1: gates. So competition and where my highest dollar per hour was, that's when I shifted, and that's why I only take on renovation deals or development deals in Boston because those deals are like really high six figure, seven figure profit deals.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, that that makes sense that's smart. It's very analytical, very, you know, you just sort of looked at where you were making your money and 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 the return on your time and all that. And that's that's super smart. Not everyone, you know, a lot of people don't do that. They don't really consider time as being something that's, you know, a, a currency or valuable to them. All right. So, you're you're a successful house flipper, you're a successful wholesaler, you're doing these conversions, these multifamily to condo conversions, which is totally cool, and we could probably dig into that for an hour, but I want to shift gears a little bit because one of the things that sort of put you specifically on my radar was something outside of flipping houses and wholesaling houses. It was that you have other interests and in other companies that you run that, that take up a lot of your time and are very interesting. And one of them being, and the one that I was hit my radar first, was uh, Open Letter Marketing, your company called Open Letter Marketing. Why don't we yep. tell everyone what that is, what that means, and, and why they should even care?
1: Sure. Open letter marketing was basically created to provide real estate investors with direct to seller marketing. Again, as I mentioned, I started off uh, with direct mail and I just like I'm very analytical in the business, I'm very analytical on my marketing and understanding what is working, what isn't working, uh, tweaking things so I really stand out for my competition. And when in 2016, I looked back at everything I did and I was getting really good results on my marketing and I said, all right. And I looked at what other people had to offer on the market and everything was basically like yellow letters or very standardized. Everybody copied everyone. And I said, all right, this, the products that I'm using, and I did a huge test. My pro- my marketing campaigns were getting a 26.7% increased response rate over like a yellow letter campaign.
0: Right.
1: And when I looked at that, I said, all right, I know I have something that works much better. And there's nothing on the market that offers this. And if I was a real estate investor and I didn't have the opportunity to do this this testing, I would want a product like that that would get me better results and all of sure. all of that. So, so that's when I decided to start open letter marketing, and really test and track everything that works. And if it does work in my real estate investment business, offer it to my customers. Okay. So I'm almost testing before i'm providing the the resource everything to my customers to make sure that it is working properly
0: so like bullet point version what what is it that you do that other and i won't name them i won't name your competitors you know who they are what are you doing that would if someone said i'm trying to choose between you and three other companies that theoretically are your competitors why why you specifically what are you doing they're not doing or what are you doing better that they're doing
1: Um, A couple of things. So we look at the very fine details, right? All of my other competitors, they're just doing, you order a product, they send it out. We actually have like marketing campaigns where there's a sequence of letters that you go through. Because in my experience, when you just send the same letter over and over, you'll get okay results, I guess. But what I found to work much better is when you have a proper campaign where each letter builds off the prior one. So it's almost like you're building a conversation with the seller and you do it in a specific way. So as they go through the campaign, they learn more about you. And when they call back, maybe on the fourth, fifth, sixth touch, the the quality of response is much higher because they've learned so much about you. You're building rapport with them. Um, We look at like the really fine details. And even with those campaigns, one of the biggest struggles for investors and myself included was managing, if someone says, hey, take me off your list, how are you going to make sure that they get taken off? So when you send future marketing mailers, yeah. they're not going to be hit again. Right. So we manage and um, we share a Google file with our customers. So as they go through the campaigns, they can remove them off the, off the list. Okay. So future letters that we send them, uh, they don't hit those people again.
0: So if I'm using you and I give you a list and I have, you know, 10% of the people say, take me off the list and I send you a brand new list, a month later, you you scrub that based off of a Google Doc that's shared.
1: Yeah, you don't even have to remove them off your own list. You just remove them right from the Google Drive right, right. file, and you don't even have to do anything. We already we're going to pull that list next month, and they won't be on the list.
0: So every time you send mail out for me, you're yeah. going back and scrubbing this master Google list. Exactly.
1: Okay. exactly. So nice. those are the like little fine details with um, you know sharing the the file to make your life easier, the investors' life easier because that was always a challenge for me. So I'm trying to just create a solution for my own issue. Right. And also the campaigns, um, just looking at the details, like should we use a logo? Should we not use a logo? What colors are better than others? What trigger different responses? Um, what should we be using You know, during these economic times, right? We yeah. always want to stay ahead yeah. and offer our customers with things, especially for like COVID. Yeah. So we were one of the first ones that ever uh, offered COVID-specific letters to change it up. To really speak to your sellers, to let them know, hey, we can do a lot of the stuff over the phone. So, so making sure we change changing gears.
0: Okay. Do you you mentioned talking about logos and colors? Do you consult with your clients in the beginning, or how do you convey to them whether or not a logo makes sense, or whatever the color scheme they're using? Like, do you actually do a con- consultation, or how does that get delivered to your client?
1: All of our so all of our stuff is very unique. Like, if you looked at any of our envelopes. There, oh, I have some over there, but they're, um, they're very unique colors and looks and patterns. Okay. So they have different envelopes to choose from as far as the logo. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big proponent of, uh, using a logo if they call in and that's one other thing. A lot of our customers call in first before they order Yeah. and our marketing people, um, and our salespeople people are well-versed because I share everything that I'm doing. Okay. So they know exactly what I'm doing, how it works. Gotcha. So they can provide that str- uh, strategic approach.
0: Okay. So you do give customers. them some guidance when they call yeah. in and kind of become a client with you. Cool. Okay. So that's open letter marketing. It's a great service. I, I know about it. I'm personally familiar with it. So uh, I-, I definitely recommend it. I mean, Justin knows this thing and it's always good to-, to work with someone who's like in the industry that they serve. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a whatever. I'm a doctor, but I open up this, you know, company and I don't know anything about your industry, but I'll I'll print your mail, right? Like you know what's happening in the industry and that's a good thing and you know when the industry changes, which is also good. Yep. Interesting thing about this this particular episode and this interview and this discussion is when we got on the phone, I found out something about you I did not know. And by the way, just full disclosure, I, I know Justin through our seven-figure flipping program. Uh, he's a member of it. He's been a member for a while. Um, and that's kind of how we met. But so I, I do know you and I know what you're up to. But one thing I didn't know you were up to, uh, and we talked about it as soon as we kind of jumped on here, we started catching up. And and I said, let's, let's spend a lot of time on this. Like, let's really dive in because I think it's cool all of your time for the past, I don't know, five months, is that fair or has it been longer than that?
1: Well, yeah, we've been working on it for the last year or so, but in the last five months, it's been pretty much 90 to 100% of my time. Okay,
0: so you got a guy who's a a successful wholesaler, he's doing condo conversions, and he runs a company that services a huge uh, base of of clients for for open letter marketing, and now you've chosen to spend 90 to 100% of your time (laughs) on something else, right? Like serial entrepreneur, but I like it. Tell me, tell us everyone about this service that you're creating, this new product. Because when I heard about it, I was like, I want that product. Like th- <laughs> you started talking about it, and I immediately said, I, I want that, I need that in my business. So I think it's a super timely and important thing for people to hear mm-hmm. about because I think it's going to be awesome. So, why don't you share with us what you're working on and, and um, sure. just what it does?
1: Yeah, sure. So again, my goal is always to how can I improve, how can I truly make an impact and provide value to as many real estate investors as I possibly can. And in the last four or so years with open letter marketing, what I've found is like real estate investors, they are good at what they do, but they are not necessarily marketing experts. So it's always trying to figure out how can I make everybody an expert in marketing um, without having to get a good degree and research right. and all that stuff, how can I create a product that can get them there? You know, after talking to tons of customers and even just figuring out how I can systemize my own process? Yeah, because my excel spreadsheet, it's it's a very advanced spreadsheet that shows you all the different lead types and the campaigns and all this stuff. Yeah. so I said, how can I do this and make it very easy for somebody um, and create a software? So, About a year ago, that's when I started to kind of um, develop my own software that's basically a lead and marketing management system that will allow people to either purchase or import lists, all their lists into this system. It will stack the lists on top of each other to identify, you know, certain properties are on multiple lead lists. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can also identify the quality of a list when you import. So for instance, like a driving for dollar list for me is a really high quality lead, versus an equity list is like low quality lead. Okay. So as you're importing these different lists and identifying the quality and it's stacking, now you can really get amazing information that most investors don't have right now, is where are my high quality leads, medium quality leads and low quality leads. And now once you have a good understanding and have that information, you can start creating marketing campaigns for each of those buckets. So for me, instead of spending 100% of my marketing dollars evenly across my leads yeah i'll i'll attribute 60% to my high quality leads 30% to my medium quality and 10% to my low quality
0: okay so, let me let me ask you, let me jump in real quick cuz i have a question this seems like the yeah, sure. ultra ultra critical factor in all of this is and i don't mean like the secret sauce but in like a general terms how is quality is it how subjective is that and and how that that seems like it's everything right you're you're mm-hmm. everything's hinged on the quality of the lead yep. how is that determined i give you a bunch of like uh lists that i have and some driving for dollars and i just sort of give okay. you this jumble how do you know what's quality
1: it it is it is subjective so you're actually the user is identifying the quality okay okay so um we have recommended quality um, rankings for each different type of lead list okay but ultimately it's it's based on user because for me You know, there are certain lead types that work really well for me and other ones, and those same lead types won't work well for other people depending, and it's really hinged on not only geographic but it's also investment focus yeah um that changes
0: yeah so you're you're asking folks when they when they come on board you're saying basically where have you had your success or which li- which lists do you feel are like your best lists yeah okay awesome that makes sense so does every list I give you get stacked or do we stack them in groups like hey this is my equity list I love this list and you, you kind of stack that one and here's my driving for dollars list stacking Ever- differently
1: on import, everything gets stacked on okay. top of each other. Okay. So when you go to look at your leads, you can see all the different lead types that it's on. Okay. Um, so it's on. So you can either do filters and say, show me all the leads that are on four or more lists. On import, it's also going to identify vacant properties, absentee-owned properties, multi-property owners.
0: It's going to identify so that the system it does, identifies that? Yeah. It so does I, all okay. That so I can the- give you a list of 100,000 properties or names, and you can tell me how many of those are vacant.
1: Yep. Okay. Yep. And on a monthly basis it will we'll do a new vacancy check every single month because new properties might get on that list and it will notify you of the new leads that are now vacant.
0: So all of this is like, is there like a dashboard or something, or is there some sort of user interface? Okay. So I I hope all these, so what's interesting to me, the concept, well, there's a lot about it that I like, but one of the things I like is we all know what CRM is, right? Everyone has like their, their, um, you know, their client relation management uh, management software. Like I get leads in, I put them in my CRM and like that, that's how I know who I've talked to. But I never hear anybody talking really about marketing management. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I? And as a guy who's done the marketing for his his company for a decade or more, I know that that can be kind of a mess. It can be a little bit, you know. And let's listen. listen on, entrepreneurs are not by nature; we're not super detail oriented. Yep. So it ends up being like a weird hodgepodge. And then, and I've done this. I'm talking about things that I've been guilty of. You start doing marketing because. you don't have to think about it. So you do the same thing you did last month, right? Mm -hmm. Like I marketed to this list and I got, you know, X amount of deals. And it's like, I don't know how to stack lists. I don't know where to go. Like, I'm just going to market to the same list, right? I'm sure there's somebody on there that I didn't get or something. So you end up doing like lazy marketing. You market out of convenience instead of out of like strategy. Like you're not really knowing what you're doing. You're just kind of doing what you always done. And I've been a, I'd say guilty. I, I think that whole, like sending a different marketing piece every time in, in all fairness there's probably some debate there and but i'll be, be honest with you i'm more leaned toward the side of sending the market say marketing piece and there was a reason for it but part of the reason was because it was the same you know what yeah. i mean and, and if i could build a, lo- a logical argument for that i felt better about it right mm-hmm. but the reality is if someone said well how much have you tested doing a different marketing piece that builds on each other and like has this this message I didn't, I didn't really do a lot of that very little because it was a lot of work. Right. So one thing I know about us as investors, we love when someone takes away the work that we hate and organization and structure and list stacking. Like we hate all that. We like the idea of it. We just hate doing it. So that's awesome. That's super cool.
1: Yeah. It's just trying to build the tools to make free up everybody's time. And, and like the other big piece is like, Marketing for most investors is disjointed. You have your yeah. direct mail house, you have, you know, text messaging service, you have ringless voicemail, everything's disjointed, different systems. This, you have your marketing dashboard that shows you exactly, you can outline all of your marketing activities, you know, direct mail, ringless voicemail, text messaging. So you can see everything, when it's going to go out, in um, what sequence it'll remind you if you you have an upcoming activity or if you didn't send one out that should have been, sent out. Yeah. So it keeps you very organized and, and uh right in front of you.
0: That's awesome. Now when you say it has like a marketing dashboard, are there like any numbers associated? Do you like show at all where things are most effective or the ROI and that kind of stuff or is it get into that side of it? Or is it really um, more just like let's stay organized on what we're doing, know when things are happening. And it's kind of more of like keeping your schedule and on pace.
1: Yeah. For most of it it's it's for scheduling um, you can fulfill within the system. You can remove sold homes and stuff like that. So more towards lead and marketing management. Yeah. Yep. This this system also, which I didn't tell you before, we also have a CRM built on Podio and the two systems talk to each other. Oh, okay. So now as you're executing, so OLM Investor Hub is the lead and marketing management system. As you're executing marketing and people start calling in, now, people start calling into my call rail phone number and it automatically creates a new lead for them in my CRM. Yep. Once they're in my CRM, it, they automatically get taken off my marketing in Investor Hub. Oh. So they get kicked off. Okay. So they're always um, aligned with each other and you don't have to manage two different systems. It does it for you.
0: What's the lead in marketing um, system called, the management system?
1: Uh, OLM Investor Hub.
0: Okay, I'm just making a note here. Okay, OLM Investor Hub. All right, we'll have all this in the show notes, guys, for the record. <laughs> so, um, is there a URL or where can people go and check this out? And for that matter, yeah. Open Letter Marketing, like where can they check this stuff
1: out? They can go directly to OLMInvestorHub.com.
0: OLMInvestorHub.com. Okay, yeah. cool. And then, what was the? C- you have a CRM built on top of yes. this. You said okay. And yeah, does, is a that CRM. a separate product or is it come it is. with? Okay.
1: Nope, separate what- product. Uh, OLM Deal Flow.
0: I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah, and that's dealflow, you know, olmdealflow.com. Okay, got it. olmdealflow.com. Building a CRM, not easy. That's that's yeah. that's ambitious too, my goodness. Like <laughs> I, I love that's just a throw in. There are people I know who have dedicated years to building a CRM. Yeah. Like that's that's impressive. So one thing I don't know about you Justin is I I have no idea if you have a tech side of you that understands coding. Like do you know how to do any of this yourself or is it completely outsourced?
1: Um I do, I love tech. Um, I don't know coding or anything like that, but I can definitely get around and understand the minimal things. Okay. But as far as coding, no, we have, I have developers that I work with and I talk to every single day, seven days a week, um, at 8am. So we're always going through like all the technical stuff with them. Um, but I just, I love it. I, I love using tech to help just relieve a lot of time. Yeah and Do a lot of the stuff that we don't need to
0: do. Was there development involved with open letter marketing? Did you have to hire developers for that?
1: Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Was that the f-
0: first? Was that the first thing you had to hire a developer for?
1: Um, no, I would say when I started my blog, I started a blog when I first got started in real estate to kind of detail my journey, mm-hmm. um, and I used some developers to kind of build that out as well.
0: Okay. What is that like though? When you start building out like an actual product that requires a skill set that you do not possess, right? Yeah. Especially tech, which I'm sure there's a lot of ways you could go wrong. How bad or good did that experience go? Did you have a lot of mistakes, or did it go pretty smooth?
1: Um, no, it's tough. It's tough. I would say it's really tough. Anyone else will tell you that it will cost way more than you think and take way more time. <laughs> yeah. But I would say the best thing that I did because. I don't I always try to before I hire someone, I always try to learn the very basics of what they're gonna need to do, right. Um, so I can test to see if they're doing it properly. Yeah, but with coding, I really didn't have that. So I hired another consultant outside consultant to review all code oh, to okay. make sure everything was uh, was correct. And that was the best thing that I ever did, really because that helped out tremendously. Just from an efficiency standpoint, optimization everything
0: so was it like somebody you found on like google or something or was it was like a warm relationship of somebody you knew that could help you with that
1: no i used this service um and it was recommended by um by one of my friends and uh so oh, top tall yeah yeah TopTall. top,
0: top, top okay. tall. yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah they, I, I listen they, to a podcast that always promotes that
1: oh awesome their their consultants are the guy i've been working with for the last six months has been absolutely amazing wow very well versed in, in code and optimization. He's just, it's been amazing to work and, with him.
0: And he's, that person is just consulting. They're just looking at what your person you yep. hired is doing for you. Because I know they'll do the coding. Like Topsail yes. has people that will do that. Okay, awesome. Yep. yep, Very cool. That's a tangent that maybe no one cares about. I'm interested because <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. Awesome, man. So, what's next in real estate for you? Like, let's go to that. Back to that that old business that you started a while ago. (laughs) What's next for you there? What do you? Where do you want to go with that?
1: Um, So, next six months for me is building out more of my um, wholesaling um, business. So, I have two acquisitions people right now. We're creating. We've created procedures. That's what we worked on a lot last year and into this year. Um, So, it's really building that and scaling that more, and then expanding. So that is the core focus is making sure that we have a systematic process for wholesaling. And then once we have that, then it's going to be um, within the next year, year and a half to build out different arms to bring in rehab and development and just have different arms of the wholesaling business.
0: Gotcha. So Um, pretty, pretty good ambition uh, there. It's not like you're putting that on the back burner by any means. No. Um, Open letter marketing just, just humming along going great. Is there any, any, any changes in the future for that? Or is that just going to keep going as as the way it's going, which is by the way, fantastic service, but yeah, is that, is that Uh, anything changing there?
1: Yeah. For, for us, we're getting more tech, um, right. So investor hub and deal flow, much more tech based. Um, we're, we're being much more of a technical side of things when it comes to direct to seller. Um, to get people to leverage software to implements. We're still doing direct mail and all that and working with, you know, some of the top coaches around the country and uh, to help fulfill. But for me, it's always being on the front lines. I always want to engineer new things that will get people better responses when competition increases, how things pivot. I always want to be on the very front lines. So we're always testing new products. Like we're testing uh, augmented reality, direct mail pieces. Mm -hmm. So, Basically, it's a, it's like a QR code that's on your, your letter. Okay. And when you take your phone and you take the um, the camera, yeah. put it over that QR code, um, they can click a button and now a video will start playing. And it will be me talking, hey, uh, my name is Justin. I'm interested in buying your house. Um, if you want to give me a call, click the button right below and they can click on it and then call me.
0: Wow, so that's it, sweet.
1: It's pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: yeah, the tech is still kind of being worked out so okay. there's different things that i'm not going to launch yet yeah um because there is still a little bit more clicking than i like but that's the stuff that we're working on behind the scenes to try wow. to figure out you know the new stuff that hasn't hit the market yet
0: dude man you are you're killing <laughs> it you're all over the place but this is amazing like and then obviously you have olm investor hub and olmdealfolk.com coming out so as this episode airs it's july um it's out now so people can go and 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 start working with you and start using this i think when i started doing wholesaling like i i started flipping in 08 um and and i was getting things off the mls at the time but when i started doing direct mail i started in 2014 and then really ramped it up in 15 and 16. it was a lot easier to get people to call like to get Mm -hmm. deals. It was just a lot easier. I'm not gonna lie. My my, I was doing a much worse job. And my volume was a lot lower. And I, you know, if I was able to get deals that like back then spending the money I'm spending now, like, it'd be ridiculous. Um, So getting leads, putting out marketing that actually gets a positive response and gets you in front of that person to ultimately try to buy their house, that is hard nowadays. It's not as easy as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's not getting easier because competition is increasing. So your service, what you're providing, what you're focusing your time on is like the oxygen of a real estate company, right? Like how long can you go without leads? Like you, you yeah. can as long about as long as you can go without oxygen, right? So your company dies if it's not getting leads, and and that's the name of the game. And you're focusing on that. I think that's important for people. So if you're interested in checking this out, guys, I'll have links to all of this in the show notes. Uh, OpenLetterMarketing.com. If you go to OLMInvestorHub.com, OLMDealFlow.com, uh, you can check out what Justin's up to. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get if they want to like get a yeah. hold of you?
1: They can shoot me an email, Justin at OpenLetterMarketing.com. Okay. Justin, yeah.
0: OpenLettermarketing.com will have that as well. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Anything you're excited about? I can't imagine there's more, but if there's something <laughs> more that you're doing, like, I, I don't know, are you building hospitals too? Like, what do you, what else you have going on?
1: I, that's it for now. All right. That's, that's it plenty. for now. I mean, Good. I told you we're in the middle of our move. Today's our first day yeah. in a new office. Yep. So, um, other than that, yeah, just, um, just getting everything pushed forward and and uh, moving along.
0: I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode once it airs. To when I start feeling bad about myself that I don't have time, <laughs> I'm going to re-listen to this because you're making me feel like a like a slug here. Awesome. Listen, Justin, I, I don't want to take up any more time. I appreciate you doing this. Super successful real estate investor. Super su- successful tech developer of, of new products for our industry, which is, you know, something we sorely need to get ourselves a little more into the, where we are in time, instead of some of the antiquated stuff that real estate investors are doing now, it's all good. It all works, right. But having more options and getting a little bit more tech savvy and efficient in our businesses, it's, it's super important for us. So thanks for doing that, man. Thanks for your time. Um, I appreciate you doing this and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'll probably see you in a couple of months.
1: That sounds good. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, man.
0: Thanks a lot. All right. I hope you guys got a lot out of that episode. I enjoy doing it. Justin's a smart guy. He's running a really, really good real estate investing company. I know that because I know him firsthand. And uh, Open Letter Marketing is a great service uh, that I know uh, is helping a ton of people. So his new product, OLM Investor Hub uh, and OLMDealFlow.com, those are going to be amazing. And I wasn't kidding. I told him after the the interview stopped that I'm serious about this. I, I really would love to take a look at this product that helps with marketing management side of things like stacking the lists and just understanding what you've been sending out and, and what's coming up and just having that that level of uh of organization that a lot of us don't have so if you're serious about your business guys you you have to use tools that help you become faster and better and more lean and more efficient and ultimately save you money because you're getting faster and leaner and more efficient so if you set goals for 2020, you've got about half the year left to make those happen. Maybe not even quite half to make them happen. So get out there and get going and use products and services that help you get there. All right, guys, until next time, if you really want this, if you really, really want this, get out there and just start. All right, guys, make today a great one. We'll see you next time.